0: All right, so today's reading is from Exodus 15, it is verses 1 to 13. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver, he has held into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense, and has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior, the Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue, I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory working wonders you stretch out your right hand and the earth swallows your enemies in your unfailing love you will lead the people you have redeemed in your strength you will guide them to your holy dwelling
1: well lovely to see you all this morning now i wonder if like me you miss the old days of motoring i wonder if you miss those shiny vinyl seats no seat belts a sharp stab of the brakes and your children on the back seat land in a crumpled heap in the footwell oh, yeah. the <laughs> and what about humpback bridges head hits the roof stomach hits the floor i can see some glimmers of recognition there But before roller coasters, this was about as near as we got to stomach-churning ups and downs. And the history of the Israelites is a roller coaster of ups and downs. Times of rejoicing, followed by times of grumbling. Times when things went well, times when they didn't. We're looking this morning at the deliverance from Egypt and the ups and downs That followed that in the wilderness we're looking at what caused that roller coaster and how we can prevent that happening to us believe me a roller coaster relationship with God is not a good thing we started last week with Abraham and God's promise of a great inheritance including the promised land of Canaan and today we're 430 years later and we're with Moses. 430 years is a long time. Let me tell you that 430 years ago, Mary, Queen of Scots, was on trial and Queen Elizabeth I was on the throne. It's a long time. A lot of past since Abraham had been given those great promises. His great-grandson Joseph, he'd been sold as a slave into Egypt, ending up as prime minister. And the whole family moved to Egypt as honored guests during a famine. But over the years, numbers grew. Their status changed from guests to slaves. And now, 430 years later, God is about to fulfill his promise to Abraham, a promise of Canaan, the promised land. Pharaoh's heart was softened up by a series of plagues, and the Israelites were set free. They're standing on the banks of the Red Sea, but Pharaoh changes his mind. They're caught between the Egyptian army and the waters of the sea, And God parts those waters to allow them to cross on dry land. But the pursuing Egyptians are drowned. So in our reading today, Moses and the Israelites praise God. They praise God for their deliverance. They thought they were sitting ducks. But against all the odds, they're now truly free. After 430 years, they're within shouting distance of their goal. They're just 130 miles from the promised land. 130 miles from being in the home that they had never known. What's that? Two weeks' walk maximum, I would reckon. What could possibly go wrong? Two weeks turned into 40 years. None of those who left Egypt ever step foot in the Promised Land except Joshua and Caleb. It was there on a plate for them, but they missed it. It's a bit like Serena this week in the Australian quarters. Final set, 5-1 up, match point. How can she possibly miss? But she didn't win, she lost. So what on earth went wrong? In short, the children of Israel's trust in God started to crumble. Strong hearts gave way to weak knees. Confidence gave way to fear. Assurance to anxiety. Grumbling crept in. Grumbling against Moses. Grumbling against God. We're not even out of this chapter 15 before the grumbling begins. At Mara they grumble that the water is too bitter. At Rephidim, they grumble there's no water at all. At Elim, they grumble there isn't enough to eat. And at Sinai, they give up on God altogether and they build their own God in the form of a golden calf. And so it goes on. There's no doubt they were in extreme hardship. There's no doubt that this was enormously testing but they were just looking at their circumstances. They weren't looking at the character and promises of God. When their security went, they were rattled. As their trust evaporated, God became angry. At Paran, 12 spies were sent into the land of Canaan to reconnoitre an invasion. All but two of them came back, saying the opposition was too great. Only Joshua and Caleb believed that God was able to do it. Their trust in God had crumbled. Listen to Joshua's report and the children of Israel's reaction in Numbers chapter 14. Joshua says, if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey. He will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. The Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I have performed among them? Goodness me. They talked about stoning Joshua for believing God. How had things got into this sad state of affairs? How had their trust in God crumbled so completely? It was all to do with their security. They saw their security in food and drink and safety. We see our security in health and wealth and relationships. When things go well, we're thankful to God. When they don't, aren't we tempted to think that it's God's fault? Joshua and Caleb had experienced exactly the same trials, exactly the same difficulties as the rest, but the rest grumbled. Joshua and Caleb believed. This was faith testing. Did they really believe in God's promises? It's not easy. It's not easy to trust in difficult times. It's not easy to trust when you can't see the answer. At school, I loved a good science experiment. I was fascinated by how light is refracted through a prism and it's broken into its component rainbow parts. And the type of prism through which we view our lives will determine whether we take a view of trusting God or whether we turn to grumbling. If, like Israel, we view God through the prism of our circumstances, then one day he's a good guy, and the next he isn't, depending on how well things are going. But if we view our circumstances through the prism of God's promises, then we trust him. Our relationship with him won't change, even though our circumstances might do. So which prism are you using? The prism of your circumstances or the prism of God's promises? So if we trust God, if God is our security, if we know that God's promises are true, then our relationship with him will weather the storms of life. It's why in Hebrews 12, the writer tells us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Remember, Peter learned that lesson when he was in the boat, that stormy night with Jesus. When he looked at the waves around him, he began to sink. When he looked at Jesus, he stayed afloat. It's in times of testing that we learn about God and we learn about ourselves. In periods of persecution, there's often a divide between those who remain faithful and those who fall away. For some, they learn their truth that their true security is in Christ. For others, like the Israelites here, they say, get me out of here. I want to go back to Egypt. Are your eyes fixed on Jesus? Your circumstances may come and go, for better or for worse. But are you secure in him? We all know that security in temporal things is transigent. We all know that we can take nothing with us. We all know that sooner or later, illness and death will descend on those whom we love and on us too. See, the first commandment that was given to us love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind is not a commandment for God's benefit, it's for our well being, it's for our security. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, not on the things around. We sometimes uh, cycle up, is it the tramway that goes from Emerson's Green up to Westerly? We did that a few weeks back with my granddaughters. And there's a point where that path transitions from being tarmac to being dirt. And at that point, there are barriers to narrow the path. Now you can cycle between those barriers, but it's a tight squeeze. If you try to go through too slowly, You wobble and hit the barriers on the side. If you look at the barriers as you go through, the same thing happens. The only way to safely go through is to fix your eyes firmly on the centre point of the path and make sure your front wheel goes through on that middle point. And that's what keeping our eyes on Jesus means. It means focusing on who he is, what he's promised and what he's said. What promises, you might ask? Well, let's take an example from Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus says, Do not worry. Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Seek God first, and he will take care of you. Don't worry. That's his promise. Don't worry isn't a license to put your feet up and do nothing, but it's to be about the work of God, as he has called you to do. Take what he says to heart. Keep your eyes fixed on him, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Humbly think more about God than you think about yourself. I love the quote from C.S. Lewis. It's on the bottom of the screen, where he says, humility is not thinking less about yourself, but thinking About yourself less. Humility is not thinking less about yourself, but thinking about yourself less. As you fix your eyes on Jesus, you stop thinking so much about yourself and you start thinking about God and His heart and His mission. You start thinking about His mission priorities. What are his mission priorities? It's the preaching of the gospel. It's supporting those suffering injustice and hardship. That's why we as a church are motivated to have a cap center, to support those. As you look to Jesus, you might want to partner with us in that work, in that ministry. We need befrienders. We need funding. We need prayer support. Are you starting to look through God's prism? There's a cat prayer meeting this coming Tuesday at our house. Why don't you come to that as a taster? Layla will be outlining some of the needs and opportunities. Could you come to that? Eyes fixed on Jesus, eyes fixed on his promises, eyes fixed on his mission. This is the antidote to that roller coaster of grumbling and despair. This is the proving ground of your faith. This is where you learn to trust. Where is it that you don't trust God? This week, there'll be an occasion when your faith is put to the test. Your faith is put under the microscope. Have you determined to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and to pass that test? Understanding that God uses those testing times to strengthen your faith? Will you be found rejoicing or will you be found grumbling? Will you dare to be a Joshua? Will you dare to be a Caleb? Will you dare to look at life through God's prism? Dare to trust in the one whose promise never fails, keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. I'm going to invite the music group to come back up as we just bow our heads for a moment of prayer and reflect on what God is asking us to do. God asks us to take our eyes off our circumstances and keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Father, we confess that we are too often focused on our own needs we pray that you will forgive us for our grumbling forgive us for our lack of trust help us to look to you help us to keep our eyes fixed on jesus help us to have his heart help us to have to believe in your promises as we look to you may our perspective change Turn us from being self-centred into being Christ-centred. That our lives may bring you glory. In the name of Jesus. Amen.